Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast. The only podcast that is dedicated to finding out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. I'm your host, Tanner Rainhirsch, and today we are going to be having a spoiler-filled discussion on Avengers Endgame. Seriously, there are no restraints on spoilers here, so if you haven't seen it, do that first. I've been a little preoccupied lately, so I haven't had time to do the podcast, but now I'm ready to do some catch-up on a few things, and I thought I'd give this movie some time so everyone would have a chance to see it. Now, Avengers Endgame is the culmination of over a decade's worth of storytelling and had such impossibly high standards to live up to that. And you know what? It kind of pulled it off, and I think we ended up not only having a satisfying climax for many stories, but also have a very optimistic look at the future of superhero movies. So, let's get down into the details. So, final warning for Anyone who still might want to see it, because it's worth it. One thing I really liked was the marketing for this movie did such a great job not really giving anything away as far as the plot or character arcs. So it made it genuinely intriguing to watch. It's really what trailers are should do. Just give you a little taste without spelling out the whole plot. The recent trailer for the next Spider-Man movie does this, and I already feel like I can already tell what is going on and how it's going to end. The Spider-Man movie. So, Avengers Endgame picks up right where Infinity War left off, where half the universe has been erased by our main villain Thanos. With the power of the Infinity Gauntlet, of course. The remaining Avengers, plus Captain Marvel, and minus Tony Stark regroup and go after Thanos to kill him and take the stones back to bring back everyone he killed. When they do, they quickly overpower him and do everything right so to appease everyone who complained about all the little mistakes the superheroes made when fighting them in the last movie. Because for some reason, it's bad writing for characters to make mistakes, according to the internet. But they find that they are too late because Thanos has already destroyed the stones, robbing them of any hope of helping the ones they've lost. Then the movie cuts to, and again, final warning, final, final warning, I guess I should say, the movie cuts to five years in the future, or later, in the present. Anyway, and it shows the world dealing with half of the population gone and our heroes dealing with their defeat. You can really feel the sense of melancholy and dealing with the grief, which has now become something that everyone has in common now. That's what's really interesting about this movie, is that there are major ramifications and how the world reacts to this. And it's something that you don't see in a lot of these superhero movies. The world is forever, tra- forever changed by this event. Even at the end, when everyone who was snapped, not everyone who was killed, is brought back to life. There's still the fact that it's been five years where the rest of the world has moved on, and I feel like there are going to be consequences for that in future movies. Then, 
When Ant-Man shows up from the Quantum Realm, he brings the new solution of time travel. Now, this was something that people speculated might happen, but it was actually really interesting to see how it came into the... how they came to this conclusion. Now, time travel is nothing new for superheroes or fiction in general, but for the most part, it hasn't been established as an actual solution for these characters. The movie treats the plot that would otherwise be eye-rolling with just the right amount of logic, self-awareness, and desperation on the character's part, that it all makes sense. This leads to a lot of interesting conflicts that I didn't know were coming, because after Endgame, I thought, well, where do you go from here? No more bad guys to fight. But the idea of a time heist and having to navigate through past movies without creating alternate timelines is actually pretty fun and creative. That's honestly how I would sum up this movie. A lot of fun and a ton of heart. This movie shows that when you treat your movies with love and respect and give them the time and energy they deserve, you end up making something truly special. There are maybe a few mistakes here or there, but... And there are some things I would have probably done differently or I didn't really like, but at the end of the day, the choices that the movie makes, you know, make a lot of sense. And honestly, that's what's most important about movies. Now, I can't go over every detail in this three-hour movie because that would take so long, so I'm just going to skip to the ending battle, which is the best thing ever. It's everything you ever wanted. All of your favorite superheroes fighting in a big battle that feels like what you used to do with your action figures. While admittedly, the climactic final battle is not as well structured as the Battle of New York from the first Avengers movie, where there was more of a three-act structure to the fights, this was still a great climactic battle that that had what I'm going to call two phases. The first phase is survival. Our heroes have pulled off gathering all six Infinity Stones from the past and used their new gauntlet to bring back everyone Thanos killed, finally achieving what they all want what we all wanted since the last movie. But they are immediately blindsided by attack from Thanos from the past, who had followed them through the time machine. The characters just start fighting to stay alive, trying to regroup after being separated. While our big three, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, try to fight Thanos, who now realizes he must wipe out all life and remake people into something more grateful, which kind of reveals his nihilism. The second phase is the rallying, where our heroes come together. Where just after Cap is on his last legs, even after proving he is worthy of Thor's hammer, which is the greatest thing ever. Quick side note, uh, when I saw the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, there's that part in the movie where Vision takes Thor's hammer. And I remember when I saw that movie, there was a guy in the audience who just kept screaming, Gangsta! Gangsta! And it was so annoying, so now anytime there's something cool, I just imagine that guy just can't handle it. And so I'm very thankful there was no one like that in the theater I went to. Like, people were excited, 
But I just imagine that guy just like his heart exploded. <laughs> so it it was nice. It was understated. I wasn't expecting it. And it was something I didn't know I wanted to see. Now, uh, back to what I was saying before. Just... Okay, where was I? So, Cap is on his last legs. He's still beaten by Thanos and has his shield destroyed. Then, all of our heroes from all over the MCU, minus the ones we've lost through these two movies, come together at Cap's side. Where Cap finally tells the Avengers to assemble, which is a great payoff, but tactically doesn't make sense because they've already assembled, so he should really be saying attack, so it's not really a great command, but who cares? It's awesome. The ensuing fight is aforementioned awesome and is full of great moments that you just have to experience. The things that stand out for me are Scarlet Witch getting to wail on Thanos for killing Vision, Spider-Man getting to use instant kill, <laughs> which was funny, and Captain America or uh, Captain Marvel coming in to destroy Thanos' ship, which does actually save everyone and prove that yeah, she's kind of a badass and kind of one of the more stronger Marvel characters. This also leads to a big girl power moment where Captain Marvel takes the Infinity Gauntlet and is escorted by all of our female heroes, which I'm sure made all the anti-SJWs in the crowd mad to see all these women kicking ass. It's awesome, and if you have a problem with it, there's a problem with you. <laughs> but of course, when everyone is playing superhero, you have to have that one kid on the playground who has to have everything done his way, and that's Thanos, who manages to take back the Infinity Gauntlet and tries to do the snap, but is stopped by Captain Marvel, who proves that she is actually stronger than him. But he manages to take one of the stones to take her out. But after Tony gets a look from Doctor Strange and remember that he saw in the previous movie, The Future, and he saw that there was only one possible timeline where they win against Thanos... And he gave the Infinity Stone to Thanos in order to spare Iron Man's life. Tony makes the connection that he needed to survive to be at this moment. He then takes the Infinity Stones away from Thanos. And quick side note here... Um, He's able to get it just right after Thanos beats Captain Marvel, which I think Captain Marvel, like, struggling with Thanos should have been Tony's opportunity to grab the stones. Not... So, it, it makes it more necessary for her to be there. So, there's a little bit of... A little bit of wasted potential with Captain Marvel. We still got... She's still a great character. I'm not saying that... She doesn't deserve to be there. She's awesome. I'm just saying they could have done more with her. I want more with Captain Marvel. Uh, but anyway, that's a side grape. Now, Tony Stark is able to take the Infinity Stones from Thanos. 
and he performs his own snap and takes out all of Thanos' army, erasing them all just as Thanos did. And then the heroes have won, but it costs Tony Stark his life, and he dies in the arms of the woman he loves, Pepper, while Spider-Man, Captain America, and Thor all look on. And that's it. Iron Man's dead. The rest of the heroes all gather for Tony Stark's funeral, and it marks the end of an era. All of these movies started with Jon Favreau and Tony and Robert Downey Jr. making the first Iron Man movie. And Jon Favreau is there playing Happy Hogan at Tony's funeral. And, you know, they read a message that Tony left in the event of his death. Tony had a daughter in this movie named Morgan, who was like the cutest little girl ever. But he died. And it's really... It was really quite sad. But, as Tony Stark sums it up, part of the hero's journey is the end. And I'm going to admit, there was one moment that really started to get me misty-eyed. There's a point where John Favreau's character, Happy Hogan, is talking to Morgan, Tony's daughter. And he asks her if she's hungry. She's like, yeah, I want cheeseburgers. And John Favreau says, your dad liked cheeseburgers, which is a reference to the first movie where after Tony was saved from his ordeal in the desert, the first thing he wanted was cheeseburgers. So it was kind of a nice touch and an honoring moment for John Favreau to show us like where we've been and where we are now. And... It was honestly really beautiful. And I'm I'm tearing up a little bit just thinking about it. It's such a beautiful moment. And even though no one's dead, it's it's truly a quite touching moment. And the characters all wrap up their stories. Spider-Man returns to his high school, which now he's like a super senior <laughs> because... He's missed so much school, uh, but I guess so is a lot of people. It leaves the question of how many of his friends died. Did Aunt May get snapped? So were they all going to meet up each other? So it, there's going to be some weird logic to figure out. And there's some weird implications with the snap, but I'm willing to let those go because that's too complicated. Um... Everyone else is reunited. Scott Lang is re- reunited with his daughter, Cassie, who's didn't get snapped, but she's now five years older. So that's going to that's gonna be one consequence, is that Scott Lang's missed a good portion of his daughter's life. Uh, and then comes the end of the movie, where Captain America in order to restore the timeline and make sure that there are no alternate timelines created from them taking the stones from the past, Captain America goes back in time to place the stones exactly where they took them. 
so it doesn't create any alternate timelines. He also goes to return Mjolnir, because Mjolnir's destroyed in their timeline. He goes to return that back. But he doesn't actually return from the past. Well, actually, he does. After going through the time machine, he decides to stay in the past, and he lives out the rest of his life with... Oh, man, I can't, I can't even do it. Uh, he returns to the present as an old man and passes his shield off to Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Nah. Passing over the mantle of Captain America to him. Which, I know, I've heard some people say they don't like, not necessarily because they don't like Falcon, but because they thought that Bucky should have gotten the shield, which is in the comics. Bucky does become a successor to Captain America. But it's different in the comics because technically Bucky is younger than Steve Rogers a little bit. He was a sidekick. But no, they were more like brothers in this movie. And I think it makes a lot more sense for Sam Wilson to become Captain America because... A super soldier serum doesn't make you Captain America, and that's what proves it. So passing off the shield to someone who is as strong and courageous as Sam Wilson, I think is actually pretty great. Um, I thought it was a little ridiculous in the comic books, just because I think Falcon's lame. <laughs> but it makes sense in the context of the movie for Falcon to become the next Captain America. And I hope he does. I, I think we're getting a TV show with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that would actually be really cool. Um, but I, w- I would like a new Captain America movie with uh, both of them returning. I think that would be cool. But the real tearjerker moment comes when we find out that Captain America went back in time and stayed with Peggy Carter, the love of his life, in the past, and gets to live out the rest of his life with her. And in the context of the movies, it makes sense, because we learn that she was married, but they never revealed who her husband was. So, it it actually makes sense. And I kind of love it. <laughs> There's this shot where they're zooming in. You can tell it's like the 50s or the 60s or something. And they're zooming in on this house. Some uh, classical music is playing. And as soon as they're zooming in on the house, I'm like, oh, no. No. I can't do it, guys. Don't. Don't do it. And then they zoom in. And then Peggy and Steve are finally dancing. I know this sounds really overdramatic. But I was like, oh my gosh. Mm. Because I truly thought we were never going to get that moment. It was a big sacrifice for both of those characters. We saw how they both sacrificed their relationship with each other. With Peggy Carter and her show, Agent, Agent Carter. And Captain America still went through years of his life thinking that Peggy was gone. And they finally got their second chance. So it preserves the sacrifice, and they finally got there happily ever after. And I was like, they did it. 
They freaking did it. And I loved it. And honestly, that's what made me love this movie. There are lots of great things in this movie. I loved I loved Fat Thor. Fat Thor is possibly the greatest thing because I've always wanted to see a fat I've always wanted to see one of the superheroes get fat and still be like really strong and super powerful because honestly, I don't see how superheroes like have time to work out. It's a weird thing. I can't imagine superheroes working out a lot, doing sit-ups and push-ups and stuff like that. Um, Like, Captain America I see work out all the time, but, you know, like, it's weird how superpowers make you super buff. Or super lean. And I just love Fat Thor. I think that's gonna be a Halloween costume idea for me. Um, And he did become a little bit of a butt of a joke. In this movie, he was more of the comic relief, which Thor has slowly been more becoming since Thor Ragnarok. But I think it was necessary for his story because he kind of had lost a lot of things and he needed to deal with that a little bit. So we kind of saw him at his lowest point. And now he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess. So what's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 going to look like? I don't know, but I'm pretty excited. Uh, They're not going to have Gamora. That's going to be weird for people who have not seen these Avengers movies. I know my mom, she's only seen the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, so she's going to be confused as to why uh, Gamora is there, and she's not going to recognize Thor. So, pretty weird, but pretty exciting. Um, So honestly, that... It's a great movie, and if you love superheroes, you know, it's going to be a great fit for you. And that's honestly all I need. So, this movie is a great climax to ten years worth of storytelling. So I definitely recommend checking it out, and check out other Marvel movies. Too, if you haven't for some reason. So, that's going to be it for my review today, guys. Um, I know I posted a review yesterday that was a little more unscripted, so I wanted to get back to formula. Um, and do a little bit of catch-up here. So, thanks for tuning in, guys, and I'll see you next time.